This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's great to be with you here live from Johannesburg, South Africa in the Cliff Central studio. And uh, once again, what do we, what do we do here on the Future CEO show? And we're doing it again. And that is we, we bring those individuals into studio that often feel a little too far out of reach. They, they, I mean, some might say that they sit in ivory towers. Others may just see them and understand that they're in positions where their time is precious and they don't always get to dedicate it to being able to uplift and assist and share the way that we often are able to get them to do here in the studio. Today is no different. Uh, I think, uh, Peter, I don't know quite how to introduce you. I, I, you've, you've got the, a really interesting journey where you've won num- numerous awards for being an analyst, but then there's an entrepreneur in you, and then there's also a, a number of other elements to you. I mean, even way back in, in the day, we were just talking about it. You've got this love for sport, and, and you're a, a rugby commentator or reporter, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's how, the way I paid my way through university, was uh, to work at the newspaper. And, uh, I mean... When you say pay your way through university and then you reflect on wh- where you are now versus where you've come from, which I understand, and it's been, I, I think it was a Forbes article that I was reading, which the, the headline there was, was I, I think, Trailer Park, um, <laughs> let, let's just see it, from, from Caravan Park, I beg your pardon, to, to Managing Billions. That's quite an quite a interesting journey right there. Yeah, so uh, I, I didn't actually live in a caravan. My dad owned the caravan park, <laughs> okay. um, but it makes for a great story. Yeah, it does. But yeah, we grew up on a kind of a farm in Boxburg mm. uh, in a caravan park. And so I guess landing up running a listed asset management business is uh, quite a journey from there to there. there it is quite a journey. Uh, as, I, as I was reading and understanding, that, I mean, from a very young age, you seem to have to uh, really apply yourself in a particular kind of way. And there was a combination of of hard work, but then also smarts. You, I understand you're a bit of a wordsmith, both, uh, and also you're, you're fairly good with numbers, obviously. Um, just uh, some th- ref- as you reflect back on your early days, what are the memories that come to come to mind? What are the ones that just emerge, uh, perhaps gently or or not? Yeah, I, I guess just uh, developing lots of skills, and I think you know, in this sort of CEO journey and what we're talking about. A combination of skills and uh, being able to to implement across different <clears throat> across those different skills. So, being able to be an accountant as well mm. as to be able to write a motivational letter and give a great presentation, um, you know, to to develop all of those. And mm. and uh, you either need to be an all rounder or you need to have the ability to properly understand what your skills are and supplement your skills with people who can do those kind of things. But it's yeah, I've always enjoyed writing. I've written a book. Oh, um, right. I didn't know that. So, um, written a book, done accounts, audited, uh, you know, set auditing debtors' books. So, lots of varied experience. Well, varied experience, but <coughs> then also uh, a very successful experience. I understand that you were you won an award twenty-one times for being the top analyst in the country. Is that correct? Yeah. So th- that was the award. I wasn't the top analyst in the country, but I could okay. I could uh, probably communicate. Um, as well as anybody mm. and uh, often there were guys sitting around me who were much better analysts mm. um, but didn't know how to package and communicate their stories so I mm. think that was a particular skill of mine which um, you know and, and, and in life and in business a, a lot of it is about um, 
you know, t- taking your story and, and what you've got to tell and, and number one, having the desire to communicate it. Mm. So to be able to pick up a phone and sell to somebody. Mm. Um, and secondly, to be able to do that well. So you, <clears throat> you know, uh, having the knowledge is one thing, but imp- uh, implementing it and communicating it is probably the most important skill that, uh, that you can have in business. You, you said something that makes me think about, uh, something I, I think I, I slowly and gradually learned. Uh, I mean, it's because I've been interviewing for a fairly long time and, and I always ask the question, what, what, what makes someone a really solid, great CEO stand out from the rest? I mean, what's the difference between someone that's kind of just in the position being, um, used by the board to do whatever they, they require, their wishes, and someone that is a little bit more dynamic and interesting? And, uh, some people may say or, or think that it's this because they're innovative or they this or they that. But I actually learned that it's just because they, they're really damn good salespeople uh, when it comes right down to it. And you've just mentioned that here, this idea of selling, the ability to sell in different forums in different ways. A comment or two there? Yeah, so, so selling is paramount. And, and in fact, that's what you're doing in many spheres all day long. Yeah, internal you, and external. Yeah, you're either selling yourself as the CEO to get people to believe into you. Uh, to believe if, in you, mm-hmm. um, you're selling your idea to somebody. Um, you're selling uh, to try and get companies. You know, as an analyst, you want you want to get information, and and <clears throat> you're selling yourself as credible for people to want to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're selling your product to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, but selling yourself is is a big part of of leadership, both internal and external, and having the confidence and. And, but I guess also being honest about it. Mm. You know, honest sales and communication is, is paramount. People know very quickly if it's, is a salesman who's just selling a, selling a story. Mm. So to, to sell appropriately. Is there, uh, as you were, you're talking about this idea of confidence and then there's an authenticity that you were, uh, I think, alluding to here. Yeah. Uh, how do you develop that confidence? And so let's go back into your journey and your experience. And I mean, at one point or another, you were probably someone that, that had certain confidences in certain ways, in certain areas, but then lacked confidences in other areas. Uh, if you reflect back and think about that, is there a moment where you realized where you just didn't have a particular confidence that you needed in a particular set of circumstances? And how did you deal with that? Yeah, so I think uh, when I go back to school days in Standard Six at my class, uh, you know, I was I was a I wasn't the greatest sportsman in the world. Mm. Um, you know, I think when I was born, I couldn't clap my hands. I'd miss. Um, <laughs> okay. But it's, uh, and I, th- I think the lesson is to be the best you can be. So, stand at six at Michael House, I captained the under 14E rugby team. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> and it's, you just got to have a lot of fun and realize yeah. what you are and what you can be and developed a lot as I went along mm. to the extent that our, our physical education director, uh, when he wrote his book, he got me to write the foreword to it. Fantastic. You know, normally the guy would get the first team rugby captain, yeah. but my development and enthusiasm to, to do, to do things as well as you can do them and to, um, and to, you know, not beat yourself up when you, you everybody's good at some things and, and bad at other things. And the things that you're not great at, to understand that, to realize that in the world of business, to supplement that with other people who are good at what they do. Mm. Um, and realizing, you know, kind of a reality check. But then, um, <clears throat> you know, really developing, understanding what you're good at and focusing your efforts and, and having confidence along the way. It's an emotional journey, isn't it, though? So, I mean, I, I think when, if I look at myself as a, as someone that was in standard six or grade eight, 
way back when. Uh, I think I don't know if I had the the ability or the maturity to be able to say this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not, because everyone seems to be, and maybe maybe times have changed, but I certainly I wanted to be the first team captain. Uh, how did you deal with some of that emotional or maybe dissonance that you were feeling, the the distance, the gap that existed between your desires and this realization? Well, maybe it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, uh, a lot of it is inherent. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I I always say the probably one of the secrets of success is waking up in the morning and deciding that you're going to have a great day, okay. and deciding that you're going to have a positive attitude. And um, a lot of a lot of success is actually a decision. Mm. Um, and like in a CEO type role, it's a uh, you've got to be the rock. You can't be the person who's um, showing a lack of lack of confidence or uncertainty. Um, so you've, I, I think the, um, there are certain people who can take on, have got the capability to different, to do two different roles. Um, if you want to be a leader, you, you have to have the ability to, you know, keep that smile on your face and make the decision to, to see the best in all situations, be positive, motivate those around you. And you've got to continually pick people up. Mm. And a lot of people rely on a leader to pick them up, um, and actually need it. Well, as I looked at your journey, so you're a qualified chartered accountant. You have, and so if I start reading your history, there's people are going to raise their eyebrows and say, "Wow!" Uh, but so, so qualified CA Deloitte, Deloitte and Touche back then is that's where you, of course, were did your articles. Um, then you were an, an analyst, head of research. You're chief investment officer for Investec, if I understand correctly, and that was for seven or so years. Yeah, um, I said investing for seven years. And these are big brands and and perhaps coveted job titles in big brands. Uh, this is no. Uh, are you saying that every single day that you woke up, you made that decision, and this was almost by design? Yeah. So I think the. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I always had a commercial element at uh, in Standard Five. Our school didn't have a tuck shop. Okay. So I bought sweets from the the game store, and at lunchtime, I used to sell them to. Sold them to the other kids in the playground. Okay, you learned about my first uh, my first bad debts. Okay, uh, yes. the rather chubby girl who liked all the chocolates uh, never paid me, okay. and you realised that uh, cash flow is king. I realised that at the age of thirteen. Um, yeah, but as you move along, um, you know, always had that entrepreneurial bent, and I guess an inherent an inherent belief that you can whatever you're doing, you can be the best. Mm. And it's also it's, it's important to choose things that you know where you can excel. Um, You've also got to be realistic. You know, there's there's things where you just do for en- enjoyment, mm. um, and if you can find something that matches your skill set, um, you know, with with some ent- uh, determination and enthusiasm, um, anything's possible. There, there is a, almost a cyclical nature to our working experience, isn't there? I mean, there are seasons for enjoyment, and there's probably seasons just to. You, you grind it out and you make money and you're looking for experience. I mean, money shouldn't be the reason you do things, but, and I think you've got a good story on, on, on that as well. Uh, but, but the, it is, there is a, a seasonal, uh, maybe even perennial part to all of this. I know you have a story about moving from one organization to another for money and it didn't last very long. Is that right? Yeah, so as a young analyst, um, it was in the days where, a bit like soccer stars, where um, it's not really like this anymore, but you know, the, the top analyst uh, 
could fetch a big price and a, a big premium was placed on, on his head. And mm. I was the age of 29. I was, I was at, uh, <coughs> at Deutsche Bank mm. and had just been rated the top analyst uh, in the country. And Merrill Lynch wanted me on board. Is, is this um, the first time you were rated as that, by the way? Or uh, yeah, I think this, it was the second or third time. It was after four years in the industry. Okay. Um, so Merrill Lynch and the CEO of Merrill Lynch came to my house every night, seven days in a row with a bigger and bigger check. Okay, wow. And uh, eventually I succumbed and I resigned from Deutsche Bank to a guy called Murray Winkler who could not have treated me better and was a fantastic mentor and, and brilliant uh, uh, brilliant human being mm. and I literally just moved for money okay. and two months after doing it there's no amount of money that's worth um, you know kind of giving up your soul I guess so I, th- that was a lesson from then onwards literally two months two months into it yeah yeah so yeah. Um, it, and and Merrill Lynch at the time was was you know it's a it's a cold hard American institution mm. so you went from a place that had developed you and helps develop your culture and instinct to a place where um you know, it was at that stage. It was run by fax from New York, mm. um, and and you you, had, you couldn't make any decisions. And subsequently, I left after one year there. Uh, okay. I'd had a contract, and it's not in my nature to, you know, the places that I've worked. I've worked, yeah, you know, seven, eight, times, ten years, yeah. whatever. Um, and it just wasn't. It just didn't uh, fit for me. Mm. So it's then you and if you go through, if you go through your career, there's and you know people must also understand. There's there's times when you have luck, and there's times when you have good luck and bad luck. Mm. There's times when I felt very rich. There's times when I've been bankrupt. Um, and if the correlation between money and happiness is the, the, the graphs don't necessarily correlate. Mm. So money enables you to, to be happier, but it doesn't guarantee happiness. Um, so you've, you've got to focus on, um, you know, the thing, the things that turn you on and work and, and, and the people around you. I mean, uh, business and work is all about the people that you collect around you and how you work as a team. I'm interested in understanding your approach to team and and the, the growth of Anchor Capital. We haven't <coughs> we haven't really touched on that just yet. Um, it's part of your journey, and it's also part of your entrepreneurial uh, feel that you you had or feeling that you had that drove you in a particular direction. We'll get there in a moment. Uh, I'm I'm just interested in in. Uh, one or two other moments that you may have had because I, I reflect and I understand our future CEOs community and often we get to interact at events and people ask certain kinds of questions and also what also happens is that we may now talk after the, after this conversation that's on air and other stories come out. I don't mm. want that to happen here. Yeah. Uh, while we're on this idea of one or two lows, um, so that period may not have been the right fit for you. There were, there must have been one or two other lows in your career or a lull or two. Can you, can you share an experience or two that you have experienced? Um, and, and then perhaps some of the lessons that came out of that. Yeah. So uh, t- two very distinct episodes along the way. I left the, the stock market at the age of about 30 and ran a business called Africam. Okay. Which was the, it broadcast wildlife all over the world. It was mm. the, in the top 20 websites in the world. And we had a listing document with Merrill Lynch to list it for $250 million in, in London. Yeah, exciting. Um, so I felt like I was the king of the world. It was on yeah. the front page of the Financial Mail. Um, you know, kind of that internet celebrity type. Type status as, as to the extent that it, that existed back in 2000. And then the 2000, whole, important dates. Yeah. So, so the whole internet world collapsed mm. and literally our, our funder pulled out. The business wasn't profitable that none of them were at that stage. And literally from over a six month period, I went from hero to failed business, um, lying on the couch wondering what the hell to do with my life. Mm. Um, and, and uh, I guess, you know, 
the, the business lessons from that are um, understanding your business model. Like, does the business model work? It's pointless trying to do something which doesn't have uh, a revenue stream or the right profit. To. So putting all your efforts into something which there's got to be an end game that you understand. Mm. And that was, we were pioneers. I mean, nobody nobody in the world knew how to make money out of out of the internet. Yeah, exactly. But a wonderful journey. Yeah. Um, no, and absolutely no regrets. So we came back from that. I went back into the, the analyst world and... I knew that I could do that the, as as good as anybody, and you know carried on in the financial services game for the next I think, I think thirteen fourteen years until I until I started my own business. Mm. Um, and then the other one was two thousand and eight and the stock market crash. You know, I remember I'd broken my leg. Mm. I'd gone to so I'd had surgery on my leg. Okay. Gone into work. Um, I'd fainted because I had to have my leg up. Went back home. Oh really? Okay. And the market was crashing. And I remember always said to my wife, you know, there's Wall Street movies where you see share prices going down by the second. That's yeah. not reality. I remember sitting with a laptop with my leg up in the up in the sky um, with the phone ringing off the hook. I had a billion rand fund. We'd lost 100 million rand in one day. Mm. I was watching the TV screen. Bear Stearns literally went down 30% while I was watching it on Bloomberg. Yeah, that, that's... Um, getting phone calls from clients going, what the hell are you doing? You've, you've, you've destroyed me. Um, and you'd, <laughs> I kind of had a moment of reflection and I went... This is as bad as it can get. It can get no worse. <laughs> and that's quite a positive moment because you go, that was the lowest moment of my life. Sure. And maybe not, you know, there's personal things that can happen to sure, you from, sure. I don't want to dismiss personal tragedies and the like. But from a business point of view, realizing that if you can, if you can have the resilience to see that through, um, and be able to sit back, think rationally, find solutions, uh, you know, get out of it, um, that, uh, and, and also to realize that, you know, t- to diversify and to to understand, you can have bad luck and the unthinkable can happen. Um, so to make sure you've got all scenarios covered. Mm. You know, and in, in our business, we certainly approach it like that. Where, what's the best case? What's what's the worst case? And what's the outcome in each of those situations? And mm. um, because I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs, I mean, I, I love taking a risk and developing something. I left Investec without a plan. I was just going to go and. Uh, Start my own business. I, I didn't have a okay. structure, or a, I just knew I was going to do it. So you have that kind of <clears throat> unfettered confidence and ambition and belief in yourself, but you also have to measure that with what happens if it doesn't work. What's my fallback? Yeah, what's the, the plan? I, yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned. There's, there's a tempering that ha- needs to happen there. Yeah. Um. I, so so I, so I guess when I started my business, mm. I I gave I sold. A 25% stake to a guy called Ivan Clark from Grinrod. He didn't give me much money, mm. but he gave me the security of access to more money if it took longer than expected. Okay. So, you know, it's putting in place that fallback situation where if it takes longer, if, if we do battle a bit, what are you going to do? Because mm. you, you don't, you know, once in my life I've been in a situation where a business couldn't continue running. You know, I had to stand in front of 50 people and retrench them all in one day. Yeah, that's um, no good. You know, I was the one one of the people who's doing it came and gave me a hug because I was the one with tears rolling down my cheek. Mm. You, know, you, you just want to avoid getting in a situation where that can happen. Um, I, I'm interested in this entrepreneurial spirit that, it, I mean, it's a, it's a golden golden thread that has followed you or is throughout your life, it seems. And you, you spoke about from a very young age being the guy that was wheeling and dealing with in suites back then. It's a little bit of a different story story today. Uh, but you're sitting in Investec. You're in a position uh, which is a fairly powerful, coveted position. Uh, our future CEOs are going to look at that and they're going to say, "Wow, that's that's remarkable." But then what you've just said is you've you left almost without a plan. 
what I don't want to do is go to the leaving without a plan just yet. But that that feeling inside of you, how are you dealing with this? You, you have got this entrepreneurial drive, but you also uh, there's this other part to you as well that's that's alive and and kicking, and and you're being successful. Uh, I, how did you balance those energies? Yes, I think it's just. Um I think a lot of it is, is inherent. You know, you either, okay. it's appetite. Okay. So it's what, how you respond when that adrenaline hits you. Mm. And it either excites you or scares the living daylights out of you. And if it doesn't scare you a little, then, yeah. then you probably shouldn't be taking it. Um, and, and because it's that, it's that fear that motivates you very strongly. Mm. Um, but your, uh, you know, the, the belief in yourself that, um, that you can make it work and if, if you'll, you'll find a way to package your skills. And the other beautiful thing about business and, and, and really what is business? It's just a collection of people with a plan and a brand around it. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, what I find absolutely direction. fascinating is there's this building. You put a whole lot of people in it. You call yourself something. You develop a strategy and uh, a year later it's a business and mm. it has a value and identity mm. and people talk about to me about our business as like kind of a living organism so the, the there's an absolute fascination in in creating that you know that you can create this effectively living organism in the business world and um that's you know that either appeals to you or it doesn't mm. so certain people should be employees um and certain people Simply don't have the appetite to to go and take that that have that risk appetite to take the risk. Yeah, it's, and it's okay to be these things. I think the what what certainly we mustn't get caught up in is the the let's call it the propaganda machine that says entrepreneurs and startups and all of these things are the way to go. I mean, if you, it, I, I love the way your litmus test, which was if it scares you, maybe you should be doing. If it scares you too much. Perhaps back or forth. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. other thing that I've learned, I mean, I was always going to work for myself and create my own thing. That, I mean, I just, that was my mindset from mm. the time I was, um, uh, 10 years old. Okay. But th- what, what you also realize, I've got, I've got mates and colleagues and peers who've, who've built up brilliant careers as employees in big businesses and have in fact created more value than many entrepreneurs. Um, so there's also a, you know, there's, there's, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. The, um, you can be an entrepreneur in a business, and some people just find that more comfortable because they've got their fallback position. But your being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to own your own business. Mm. You can be an entrepreneur in a business, mm. and in fact, you know, if there's resources in a business, people have created enormous wealth within business. Uh, I'm I've I've always wondered about that because they they talk about entrepreneurship, the, the I. So mm. this is this idea of being an entrepreneur in a business. Uh, but there's certain kinds of restrictions uh, in that kind of environment that um, – but then also there are, as you say, safe places as well if you can get it right. Let's move into your journey as an entrepreneur. So you leave Investec. You say you don't have a plan, but you do. You have put safety in place for yourself. What do you do next? What's the first conversation you have after Investec has, uh, is now a thing of the past? Yeah, so we, um, I found a, uh, quite fortuitously, I found a guy who had a, who had a business registered. Um, I bought 95% of it from him for 200,000 rands. So it was a, a small, um, a small venture. Um, so you needed a structure. Um, then you needed, you know, I understood what I was good at. And the, the asset management industry is a fantastic, very profitable industry if you can mm. get it right. Mm. 
So I tried in the internet world to recreate the, the future. I mm. um, had a great time going and seeing polar bears in Canada and uh, golden lion tamarind monkeys in Brazil. And yeah. it was a hell of an adventure. Yeah. But then I realized, in, in fact, and, and this is probably an important lesson as well, is to is to be an entrepreneur in something that you understand and have got some experience in. The, the, uh, the freedom of a tight brief, as they say, in the creative <laughs> world, yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah. So um, I then, you know, so I had the company set up. Um, I needed, uh, I'd hired two or sort of partnered with two or three other guys because you need, you need a, you know, to, to get the job done, there's certain skills that you need and, and, and competence. So there were about four of us that set off on the journey. And then, uh, then I needed a client. So <laughs> then it was basically hitting the phone and, uh, and hitting the streets and going out there and, uh, and basically convincing people that, uh, they should back you. And uh, tell us, I mean, that experience, how long did it take you to get your first client? Are you, are you that convincing that it was a matter of days or I'm um, just wondering? Yeah, so it probably took uh, uh, two or three months. Okay. Um, our first client doesn't know he was our first client. <laughs> you know, you're selling yourself on uh, your, your past skills, and, but you've created this organism. Sure. So we're selling you anchor capital, and these are the skills, and this is my personal yeah. background. Yeah. You're just hoping he doesn't ask, tell me, have you got any other clients? Yeah, yeah, give me a testimonial. Um, and then we had a lot of, we had a lot of good fortune in, in, in our first year where Optimum Coal, um, there was a group of guys who bought it from Billiton. It subsequently mm. became embroiled in that, uh, mm. that the, associated with the Guptas and, mm. but that was a few owners later. Yeah. Um, but some, there were four, four guys who, um, who sold their stake in it. They made a great success out of it. And, uh, I, I won their trust and got all of the money that they got out of it. So mm. by the end of the first year, we'd got to a billion rand. Mm. Uh, in asset management, the, the difficulty is getting that, getting, Getting things rolling that momentum. because people will back you if you've got money that's invested. So, um, but at the end of the first year, I think we had a billion rand of assets and about 800 million came from those four guys. Okay. Um, but it gave you the credibility. You know, if people know that you've got a billion rand that you're investing. They go, okay, other people trust him. You develop your track record. That was like a social proof <clears throat> of sorts, I guess. Sure. Sure. Mm. Okay. And, 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 and so you emerge from a history. Uh, in in some very fairly technical, but then also leadership positions, you then are the CEO, the founder, founder and CEO, but but really a CEO of, of a, an organization that is growing and developing and emerging quite quickly, and, and <coughs> suddenly there's a shift, and it becomes less technical and more people. When did you feel that shift, and how did you feel about that shift? The moment your business becomes bigger than one room. Okay. So I think there were about 10 of us sitting in one room mm. and it's just a, a team working together and mm. people have got access and time with you all the time. So you, you know, if you've got some empathy and, and I guess some natural leadership and the ability to communicate, if people have got contact with you, it's easy. Um, once you move into two rooms, it changes. Mm. Uh, and once you move, you know, we're now in, London, Mauritius, uh, four offices yeah, in lots of rooms and, um, and the ability then to, you know, you, you then have to have structure and, and work out how to do it differently. And, and everybody's got that kind of learning journey mm. and you've got to find a way of connecting with people when you physically in a different place. Um, and, I, and developing the, the, the process and discipline of keeping up the communication and, and you've, I've got to make 250 people feel like, 
you know, we've gone from four people to 250 mm. people. We did that in five years. Mm. Um, and you've got to make them all feel that you're there for them. Yeah. Because you physically can't be. There aren't enough minutes in a day. Um, so that's, that's a difficult one to master. And you've, you've got to work out your own techniques. Uh, who was it? Mark Kutafani, um, Anglo-American CEO. Uh, he, he was sharing and we were just discussing uh, his day and what his day would look like. And, and he would describe a situation where he was on the phone at 3 a.m. Uh, and I mean, there's really a, an interesting work-life balance. Uh, I, I come, I've come to understand that people are saying there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's now work-life integration, work-life integration. And uh, how have you been able to, to deal with that? So you've got offices all around the world, which means that you can be called across different time zones, probably late at night. Uh, how ready are you for that? Or how ready were you for that? Not at all. Okay. I mean, it's a... Uh it's it's a difficult one, and and the um, managing that is probably my biggest challenge in life. Mm. So it's. Uh, what, what do you mean? You mean managing yourself in that because it's uh, you you want to work all the time, or is it just managing the the the, the necessity of it? Well, it's just the the range of different things you got to do across your business and personal life. Um, I, I mean, I guess the thing that challenges me the most is is that the day is not long enough to do all the things I want to do. Mm. So, so prioritize is the answer. Um, you know, get probably one of the, the most useful things I ever got. You know, you get these business tips on the internet yes, and the, yes, the yes. one that, the, the one that's I've implemented the most is I get to work at 6.30 every morning. And what are the five things that are going to make a difference? What are the five important things? Mm. And get those done when, early in the day when you've got the energy as opposed to, um, uh, as opposed to a lot of people, you know, sit down and clear their email email inbox for two hours, mm. and you've used all your your sharpest energy for um, you know for for menial tasks. Yeah. And then just uh, have a non negotiable family time. So it's you know make sure that time is dedicated. But it's I don't really feel that many minutes of the day are my own. Mm. When you run a, a business, especially a listed business, I've got four thousand eight hundred shareholders now in the stock market, and each of them theoretically has got access to you. Yeah. So you become a bit of a prisoner of of the public to an mm. extent. Um, but that you choose that, and you've got to relish that and be able to. But you can't. Uh, I, I guess one of the difficult things you, you can never step away from it. Mm. So you can't decide that I'm not the CEO for the next month. You the CEO until you're not the CEO. Yeah. And um, it's not a job that you can do part time. And it's you the CEO 24 hours a day. You don't uh, you don't stop being the CEO uh, at eight o'clock at night. Well, what I so appreciate about what you've just shared is that you, you got to you, you've chosen it. You you've you've made a decision. You got to own that space. Uh, I think that often there seem to be, not often, I've encountered more and more regularly nowadays that people just seem to make these flippant decisions that, and then, and just as easily will change, change their minds and go back on their word. From, from the sounds of, of you, it seems, and you, you mentioned it earlier when you were saying it's not in my character to have walked away from, uh, the, uh, it was Merrill Lynch, I think. The way that you yeah, had yeah. Uh, after such a, p- a short period of time there. Uh, just a, a word on character and the way that you look at it. And then I've got a, I've got a mechanism that I heard from uh, Shamil. You, no, no, I beg your pardon, from Greg Solomon, CEO of McDonald's that I'll share with you. Yeah, yeah. But just a word on character and the way that you look at character, especially when you reflect on your employees. Yeah, so I think and team. In, in, yeah. integrity, integrity and character is everything. I think the, if you're willing to give up on that at any point in time, uh, you know, it's going to come back to haunt you. 
So the um, how do you know that? So you, you, I'm 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 thinking of a scenario where you're trying to pull someone into your team. How do you yeah. how do you know? <coughs> how do you know what? How do the, you know that they've got integrity? How do you how do you know that you can trust them? How do you know that what they're showing you is authentic and real? Yeah, so I mean, in, in terms of process, anybody that you hire, I want to speak to three people about them, three mm. people that I respect. And we're we in a small industry. That you respect, that's an interesting addition. Um, so, I mean, that's the process, and that's the best way of doing it. But also, I'm a massive believer in gut feel. You know, it's, okay. uh, it's basically all your years of experience synthesized into one signal to the, to the front of your brain to say yes or no. And it's the times in that you can get it wrong. Um, you know, there's there's times if if you look back in your life, the times when your gut feel said no and you still went ahead with it, mm. and ninety percent of the times you were right, but but you didn't act on what your gut feel said. So, uh, you know, I think if I interview somebody within within a minute, within you, a minute, you, you've probably made eighty percent of your decision. Mm. And there's obviously a lot more to there's there's lots of detail and 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 checking up and that kind of thing. But mm. it's a uh, uh, I think, especially you know, the longer you've been in business, the more the more that kind of works. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's going to be this experience bell that will ring time and time again. Greg Solomon shared um, that when he looks at someone and he wants to pull them into his his team, what he'll do, and it's very subjective, uh, because he knows the numbers are probably uh, the fundamentals are right. But he'll look at the uh, at the um, individual and he'll give them a rating on two scales, one which is trust and one which is respect. So out of 10, how much do I trust this person? Out of uh, 10, how much do I respect you, Peter? And then he takes those two numbers and multiplies them together, gets a very simple, I mean, very simple equation, very sim- simple formula. But if it doesn't get over 80, uh, then he just says no. Yeah. Not it, It's either not the right time or you're not the right person. What, one other personal uh Sticking point that I've got in mm. you know, interviewing somebody and bringing somebody across. <clears throat> I'll ask them about. Um, in fact, I learned this from a, a partner of mine, Matthew Norjung. He asked them about the other people that they work with at the moment. Okay. And if people speak, if if you can see their default is to is to bring out, you know, talk badly speak about other people. About them. Mm. Um, that's typically a pretty bad sign. Uh, yeah. Someone also shared. Who was it? Um, Clive. Clive Batko. Um, he he shared that what he'll do is he wants to in, in, interact with that person in three different environments. And one of the environments he'll take them is to a restaurant somewhere so that he can uh, look at how they interact with people that they may regard as lesser than them. Yeah. Is, is That's this respect. Person, respect yeah, is huge. Exactly, yeah. Is this person kind to the waiting yeah, staff? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so there's a nice point there. And there's a lot to be said for kindness. Yeah, there and is. I think the, to be a leader, you need to have inherent kindness. Mm, I agree with you. On that, on that note, one of the questions we ask um, everyone that we that sits in the seat that you're sitting now is is around around their leadership style and and their approach to leadership. What are your three pillars of CEO leadership? What is what is this emerging learning that you are experiencing? So, I mean, you can define that in a number of different ways. Um, I think having a plan, so a strategy, okay. um, that's a huge pillar. Is you, It's very easy to fill up your day with just getting your work done. Mm, you got to know where, where you're heading. Um, where do you want to be in one year's time and three years' time and what's the plan and what people do you need to get there? Mm. I think empathy. If you, And this sort of relates to the third one, which is, is, is people and the ability to, to identify, attract, motivate, and 
get the best out of people. You know, mm. If you can get 20% more out of each of your, each of the people around that's you, that's big. That's mm. massive. Mm. And that, you know, the 20 is incremental. Um, and uh, so t- in order to do that, you need to have empathy. You've got to actually care about the people. And I think where a lot of CEOs fail is they, they tell a good story, but they, at the bottom of their heart, they don't really care. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, I guess a combination of those three things are, um, not everything about leadership, but the things that I think are important. Mm. The, you, you've spoken about this idea of not caring, and uh, I, I guess when is too much caring? So, because empathy is important, but sympathy can be uh, quite destructive. Yeah, and no, I'm I'm too soft. Okay, um, but I I can't really fundamentally change. Mm. Um, I can act tougher, but I think the biggest realization is understanding that about yourself. And one of the big parts of leadership is understanding what you are and what you aren't. Mm. Um, so if you get in a situation which requires some toughness, I, I get help. Um, I've got to understand when I'm not going to be tough enough. And don't, mm. um, you know, if you're cognizant of it, you can still make the right decision and make the tough decision. But you've got to motivate yourself to do it. Mm. You know, so some people will go too far the other way. They'll be too tough. And that has, that creates damage. Mm. If you're not tough enough, that creates damage because people want to see somebody who can make Decisions and make tough decisions. People follow, uh, I think people naturally follow. Uh, and I, I, I don't know how, uh, how well we understand this is that, that people actually want to follow. It's a, it's quite an interesting, unique thing. It's a human experience, really. Sure, absolutely. So the people want to be led and they want to see somebody that they respect and will make the right decisions. And, and often you listen, listen, listen and make, then make the decision. People want somebody to take the – a lot of people don't want to make the decision. Mm. So there's a group of eight people in a room. There's a point at which you've got to go, I've heard all of you. That's great and I respect. We don't all agree. This is the decision. Yeah. People want that point. Mm. And often in a business, um, I've had to train myself to do that mm. because I'm perhaps in, in, in inherently a little scared to offend and because your decision will offend, might offend three of the eight people in the room. Sure. But the right thing is um, is to, to make the call and to have the discipline and um, you know to follow through with it. And people want a plan; mm. they want to know how they're fitting into that plan, what their role is, how they're going to get incentivized on it. Um, and that's all about the the strategy and structure. Mm. You were speaking about getting help. We like to talk about mentorship here, and and often. Uh, we look to you as a as a, a guide or a mentor to our future CEOs and to and to us as well. Uh, but you you must have your own mentors. You must have those that you look to, whether they are present or not. Whether it's through a, a book or a documentary or something. Uh, who are the people that you look up to that you um, respect enough to listen to? Yeah, so I think um, you know it's kind of my my business partners and the people that have grown grown the business with me. Mm. Um, I, that, I mean, that's, that's such a it's such a valuable thing. That uh, I think uh, another gentleman that was here, Irfan Irfan Padesi, he he, we were having a, a conversation, and um, he, it was a it was a lunch at at um, in Santon somewhere, and he had asked me a, a, a question about a small little business that I wanted to start, and he said, "Do you have a business partner?" Uh, and I said, "No," and he says, "You're going to fail," and I thought that was quite a I'm like, hold on. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but but he said you're going to fail, 
and and part and part of that could have been skills, but part of them part of that is what you're describing here, which is a relationship that you develop that is really supportive and you need potentially in the hard times. Yeah. Um, so so I don't. Um, <clears throat> there isn't one person that has taught me everything I know. Mm-hmm. I think a, a good skill to learn is to is to feed the best of different people around you. Mm. And I've learned and effectively been mentored by people junior to me and senior to me. Mm. If they've got an attitude or methodology or a way of doing things, um, you know, there's people who, uh, uh, there's a number of business people uh, around me who I'll phone for different pieces of advice. Um, and it's, you know, one guy might tell you how to sell and the next guy might be helping you with the strategy of your business. The next guy might just be a, a voice of reason or somebody to speak to. And there's people you want to bounce crazy ideas off. Mm. And it's, I naturally, I naturally go to different people depending on what I'm, what I'm wanting some inspiration or help or, or assistance with. Mm. But it's, I think the, 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 that's the big challenge as an, as an entrepreneur. You know, I started the business. I owned the business. I controlled it. I made every decision. As you get bigger and bigger, it's, you just can't work like that. And sure. it's, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a difficult, uh, that's quite a journey. Is to get to a point where you actually go, um, that's that person's domain and they can make the decisions and off you go. And mm. actually sometimes you want to get involved and you, you want to get your hands in it and, and make, make the decision, but you've got to step away and let them do it. It's, it's an interesting question and it's an interesting point of reflection, which is the, the question around what kind of entrepreneur are you? I'm not going to ask you that question now, but, uh, the question must be asked: Are you are you a starter? Are you a, are you someone that takes a business that is really f- there to scale? Are you a scale you know, really good at scaling something? Are you are you the person that's going to get the best price at exit? Uh, so I mean, there's different phases, mm. there are different types of individuals. Um, you spoke about uh, on uh, mentors, people that guide you. Uh, you also spoke about feeding off different people, different uh, – what's the worst advice you've ever received? That, that's an interesting question. <laughs> the worst advice. That's uh, – um, I'm not sure. It's, it's a beautiful question. I, uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'll, as, as we, as my, the, the light bulb will hit me as we're talking. As we're walking out the studio, it'll yeah. come to you, but that, and that's okay. Um, okay, so th- let, let's see if we can get that. I'll come that back answer. to that, yeah. 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 Um, in your journey, uh, and, and I think we're, let's, let's begin wind down, winding down the conversation. Just a few quick questions. Um, would you, uh, rec- what book would you recommend, please? A book that has made the most impact on you and your ability to grow your business or settle in your career or, or just something. What is, what yeah, is that probably book? the, the Google, the Google book. I think it was okay. just called Google. I'm not sure what the, um, just the, the journey of that and, you know, the art of what's possible. It's, mm. uh, it's a, uh, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about business is I've got no idea where we'll be a year's time from now. Mm. And there'll be challenges, there'll be opportunities, and um, you've got to approach it with that mindset. You've got to have a strategy and a plan, but you've got to understand that the, the waters will go in different directions and different things will come up. But it's if you've got the right people around you and the right set of skills, you can create something special. So, you know, that Google and what they created, what they set off to do and what it became, mm. effectively one of the world's top five businesses, um, you know, from nothing in a short time period. It, it also, I, I loved it because I, I was starting an internet business at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And they made no money for years and years and years. They had the capital to, to carry on with it. The uh, you, You're an analyst. You're, uh, you, you, there's a research element to your, to your nature. 
Um, just a, a, almost one of the last questions that we'll ask here is when you look out, and right now it is September 2018, when you look at the world, uh, what is the thing that you're most excited by? And then what is the, the, the next question is what are you uh, most, not, uh, I don't want to say concerned, but what are you uncertain about? What's, what's that thing that's um, less exciting but, and more disconcerting um, than exciting? I've got the answer to the worst. Uh, oh, you do the worst advice, which we can come back to. Okay, okay. Uh, um, so the thing that excites me most is, um, I mean, it, it, it sounds absurd and trite. Okay. But uh, waking up in the morning and having a, you know, there's there's so much you can do in, a, in an eight or ten hour time period, and I like to, at the end of the day, look back and go, how did I change my little world or somebody else's world in a day? And okay. that's a, I mean, that's that's very airy fairy, but it's a. There's so much opportunity, and and what, what what I absolutely love, we were talking about it earlier, is just this this creation of this organism, mm. and the ability. If I add one more, two, five more good people to my business, I can increase the value of my business by thirty or forty percent. Mm. And it's the ability to, to combine all those skills and get people to work working together and, and getting this organism. See, I don't think it's trite. I think uh, I think it's counter counter um, complaining culture. I think there's an optimism there. And there's an ownership there that that is remarkable, and it's why you sit here with us today. Uh, it's not it's not trite in any form or fashion. Thank mm. you, thank you for sharing that. So that that's um, the the thing that you're most optimistic about. Uh, what what is it that's something that caused a little bit of apprehension for you? So I think it's more about. Um, I mean, I think the world's going to be quite a sad place in 50 years' time. Okay. So it's more, it's almost more of a personal thing. I'm worried about the world that my kids will live in in, mm. in 50 years' time. Mm. Um, and, you know, that is, uh, that starts, could start impacting business and opportunities in probably five or 10 years. But what is, the, what's uh, the source of that? You so, think? you know, the extinction, extinction of animals, the, the natural, mm. the natural, um, cycle of, of the world. Um, I think the, the potential, with technology, there's some there's some quite horrific and terrifying uh, potential with technology. What We're it can do. We're talking about AI, robotics. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's, 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 Elon Musk said that the other day. Once we once we've invented a a robot that's cleverer than us, we're over. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's, and, it's alarming. And I think the um, I mean, so, probably the thing that makes me saddest about the world is I mean, if you look at how many countries in the world effectively have a dictator mm. and and. I'm the most optimistic pe- person in the world, and it's, uh, I mean, one of the things that I hate is as you get older and older, you realize there's a lot of people out there who are actually evil. Mm. You know, I used to have a fight with my old boss at Investec. Um, I would say trust somebody until they let you down, and he would say distrust everybody until they prove otherwise. Okay, which is two philo- philosophical points, and I'm certainly in the in the camp of trust people, mm. but I'd, I've definitely become a lot more skeptical okay. about human beings um, as you grow older. And you know, if you just look at the ability of human greed, is such a big factor. Mm. And you know, in South Africa, we've seen that almost destroy. Um, you know, the beautiful place that 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 we want to work mm. for our children. Mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, it, uh, I don't think we've hit a downer by by sharing that. I think what we what, what this is, it's a bit of a dose of reality that we must just keep our eyes open. We we, we can't look below the horizon. We must look up sure. at the horizon or above. And thank so. Thank you for sharing. You remembered your. Uh, worst advice, by the way. So my father went on a Dale Carnegie course. Okay. And he came out and his advice to me was win a point, lose a friend. Okay. Um, which is the most absurd advice I've ever received in my life. All oh, right. Um, 
you know, by implication, step back from arguments. Yeah, let, um, let them, hmm. you know, avoid confrontation, hmm. rather find a, and, you know, it's fun, re- reach an outcome which is acceptable to everybody. But hmm. it's, I think that had quite a, that sort of advice and theme had qu- quite a negative influence on how I engage with people. Okay. And it took me quite a few years when I got into the business world. Like when I said I'm not tough enough, it hmm. comes from that sort of thinking. Um, I think I relate to you, I must admit, on this particular point. The, 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 this, you want to naturally be a soft and gentle and kind and, and generous, uh, but… But often you're not in a, in a business, if you don't deal with things the right way, you're actually being unkind. Yeah, if there's exactly. a staff member who's destabilizing the rest of the staff, exactly, you yeah. have to be unkind to that person. They have to go. Mm. And if they don't, you're actually harming the other 249 mm. people by not getting rid of that one person. Mm. No, I agree with you. I think we've just just about run out of time here, but it's been a fascinating conversation, and we're so very grateful for you sharing um, so much of your journey with us and insight into what has brought you to the point that you are today. Maybe a final question, if if I may, and we ask all, everyone that walks through that door and sits in the in this seat, we ask this question, and it is: if you could go back in time and speak to the young future CEO, you, the twenty one year old future CEO, you. What would you say to yourself? What's that, that, that one or two or maybe three things that you would say to yourself? I'd say, and I've kind of always been happy to do it, I would say um, from a business point of view, uh, go and take the risk and get started, mm. but, but have a, a plan. Um, the other phrase I quite like is equities forever. Okay. So yes. often you start a business and you flippantly give somebody five or ten or fifteen percent at the beginning. That 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 they're your partner and they're your shield and they benefit from whatever you do for a for a hell of a long time. Mm. And probably the biggest thing I've learned in business is to understand who you are and supplement. You, you need a suite of skills. Understand what you are and what you aren't, mm. and supplement yourself with those skills around you. Mm. Peter, thank you very much uh, for joining us here at Cliff Central and the Future CEO Show. We so, so appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Great to be here. That's the voice of Peter Armitage, the CEO of Anchor Capital. Uh, And that's all we have time for you this week. We will see you same time, same place next week, doing the same thing, sitting across from these incredible leaders, learning from them in behalf of you uh, so that you can expedite the growth of your career and your business. We'll see you same time, same place then. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. Win an entrepreneurial package worth 2 million rand with Alpha Code. AlphaCode is inviting applications for its prestigious AlphaCode Incubate program that seeks to identify and reward high-potential, innovative entrepreneurs to boost the development of fintech and financial services in South Africa. Sixteen businesses will be invited to pitch for eight places on the AlphaCode Incubate program. The final eight businesses will complete a customized 12-month program and will benefit from an entrepreneurial package worth 2 million rand each. The package consists of 1 million rand in grant funding, 1 million rand worth of support including mentorship, monthly expert-led sessions, exclusive office space in Santon, marketing, legal, and other business support services, as well as access to RMI's networks. The first round of applications closed this Friday, 7th September 2018. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more on the cliffcentral.com website. This is cliffcentral.com.